0: everybody this is never heard of a podcast this is a show where we talk about those movies that have fallen right on through our cracks i'm sean harwell and i'm joined of course as always by co-host craig moorhead craig how are you
1: sean i'm doing all right uh i'm hanging in there Um, keeping it locked down as the kids mm. say how are you doing
0: also pretty locked down pretty locked down mm-hmm I bought gas for the first time since March, I believe. Oh, my. Uh, this week, yeah. Just not doing any driving, not going anywhere. It's really pretty great, it. yeah. Not too bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agreed. do kind of
0: miss some things, not others.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's We're going to be
0: talking it. about this for months, you realize. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly. This already is going to
1: be, yeah, when people come back to this podcast and they listen to it. Hearing us talk about how much gas mm-hmm. we bought—it's mm-hmm. going to be exciting. It's going to be riveting stuff.
0: How much stuff did you blow up on uh, the Fourth of July?
1: Absolutely nothing. Uh, we heard mm-hmm. lots of fireworks, though. We yeah, did a lot have, this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, if if my neighborhood is like, any like anything like yours, uh, it was just explosions from like that, like the the week before up until you know last night i mean it was just uh pretty intense people really like their fireworks um but yeah heard a lot of it well and you have some pets how do your pets deal with that
0: fortunately in knock on wood uh they are indifferent oh nice occasional bark that's about it but yeah i took them out at like 11 something to go use the bathroom before bed yeah And it it sounded like there were about four or five different groups setting off fireworks, yeah, all around us. Oh man! Which it it seemed like a lot for this year. I I will say they didn't get started a week ahead of time, Mm -hmm. to my knowledge. So I I would at least just be thankful for that. And uh, we did sparklers, and that was about it. So
1: yeah, we had some sparklers that uh, some neighbors had passed on to us. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, we we couldn't even get to a point where it was dark outside. Like the kids were,
0: I know they were getting
1: sleepy. And we're like, well, let's just go outside and do this. I mean, Grace had never even experienced holding a sparkler before, so she was a little freaked oh, out wow. at first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but fascinated. Everyone was worried about whether or not their fingers would get burnt. Um, but no one's did, I'm proud to okay. say. That's right. It was a safe Yeah, block. it's so
0: weird. Like, I, I, I don't know. I remember shooting off fireworks when I was a kid, and then now as a parent, I'm like, but how? When? Because it doesn't get dark till like freaking 9 30 yeah, you know it's and insane it's like, we probably just stayed up that late that's probably how we did it <laughs> my daughter has seen like one fireworks extravaganza in her life that's thus far we made an occasion of it one one year a couple of years ago but that's about it
1: nice
0: yeah that's the way to do anywho
1: yeah
0: yeah you gotta they gotta at least know what it is right
1: exactly they gotta they gotta feel that thundering explosion in their chest <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i'm kind of over it though now i gotta say like i just don't care like yeah
1: it really depends i mean uh Mm. yeah like like we've seen the fireworks at disney world
0: yeah and that's a really
1: that's a pretty amazing show sure and uh if you're just looking at fireworks exploding that that doesn't last for too long i mean it's yeah yeah five ten minutes tops
0: it's like a movie with false endings where they just... Over and over they, again. Was oh, that the end? Oh, was that the finale? Oh, it yeah. wasn't. The, here's 16 more minutes of things that seem like the finale. Oof. I love that. Uh, you know what else I love? Uh, me. Yes, and specifically when you tell people where they can come say hello if oh, they want to.
1: goodness sakes. Well, let me do that. It's been a long time since I did. Mm-hmm. Uh And I'm, I'm really afraid that maybe people have forgotten.
0: Nah, nah. You don't think so? No, I don't.
1: Fair enough. but well, I'm going to tell them anyway. Uh, so if uh, for anyone who can still hear us, if there are any podcasting <laughs> spots that are still podcasting our podcast. I
0: uh, thought you just meant their ears would be ringing after the 4th of oh, July. Oh, well, that's a good point. Yeah, Shell For anyone who hasn't been deafened.
1: Day. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and for some reason you want to spend your the rest of your <laughs> hearing years on this. <laughs> Uh, Well you can get in touch with us on Twitter At Never Podcast On Facebook we are simply Never Podcast On Instagram you can find us at N-H-O-I-T Podcast That is N-H-O-I-T Podcast Uh, Contact us in any one of those three places uh, and, And you know you can let us know If there's a movie you'd like us to take a look at As a matter of fact today We're going to be talking about a movie That someone had requested And we'll get to that in a little bit Oh, yeah. But uh, if you uh, have stumbled upon this podcast, you found it in the bottom of a bucket in somebody's backyard and you're trying to figure out where it came from, well, you can find it, you can find more of it uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Maybe a few other ones out there. Anywhere you can subscribe and leave a review, please do. Because it sure helps people find our podcast that would be super nice of you wouldn't it sean
0: it would and i know some of you are probably sitting at home and you get on the internet and you think "Mm, man these are guys that pretty lazy with the social media Mm. and it's because we put all of our energy into this it's all right here 110 percent. whatever extra energy we have left over which is it's admittedly not much Mm -mm. goes into that (laughs) And if you're also listening and you're one of those people that like, yeah, but there's this really easy way to just like schedule things and post things and make it simple, you're the exact kind of person that should get in touch with us because right. I've given up on trying to find that solution. <laughs> and it shows. I think it shows. Yeah. So anyway, that doesn't mean we're not paying attention. We are. We're out here. And uh, we like to hear from you. So come say hello and make a suggestion like the movie that was suggested today, which is The Beast of War, Craig, from Mm -hmm. 1988. That's right. This is a war drama adventure film. It's an hour and 51 minutes long, according to IMDb. Here's our synopsis. A Soviet tank and its warring crew become separated from their patrol and lost in the Afghan valley with a group of vengeance-seeking rebels on their tracks.
1: That sounds pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, and that's Afghanistan, not like a a valley of blankets just in case there was any confusion.
1: No, that makes sense.
0: Well, I know, I think, all of two names that I see top build here in cast and crew. And that's not really much to go on, Craig. So I feel like I need you to fill me in on who else was involved in the making of this thing. So I'll get the full picture here before we watch it.
1: Sean, I'd be glad
0: to. Oh, good. Thank you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, so we're talking about The Beast of War Also known as The Beast sometimes Mm -hmm. Uh, Now this is a movie That was directed By Kevin Reynolds Uh, You remember Kevin Reynolds' work On such films As Waterworld uh, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves You know The Kevin Costner ones Uh, He also wrote Red Dawn And as a matter of fact We met him I think Sean At school We did I want to say Dale Pollack brought him in. And cuz I remember, I seem to remember Kevin Reynolds being there in one of the theater rooms and specifically I remember him saying, "Oh, there are spectacular schmucks in Hollywood." That was a that was a note <laughs> that I quote? put down. Yeah. So Well, I
0: have a little tidbit about him visiting School of the Arts I was going to use it in my miscellaneous trivia, oh. but it was on IMDb, but they said he did a two-day seminar in 2002. That's not to say he didn't come prior to then, but I don't recall that. Maybe I you know, just well, yeah, blocked it out of my head. You know,
1: I remember it very much as just a, a, a short Q and A, kind of a little special thing that he was there. Because I, I seem to remember, yeah, him being kind of one of the more like, oh, that guy's really done a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, was for kind sure, of that would have been a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was written by William Mastrosim. Mastro Simone, Mastro S- Simoni.
0: I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, either Simoni or Simone, just because okay. it looks
1: Mastro Simone. like it's Italian, yeah. right? Well, Sean, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I do know <laughs> that he wrote the play Nana Nanawata- Watai. See, I can't even say that. Mm-hmm. He wrote a play that I also can't pronounce, Nana Nanawata- <laughs> And wrote the screenplay for this, as well as the play screenplay for the 1986 movie Extremities. So Watai* was the play, and then this was the movie. You see? See how that works? I do, yeah. Okay. I think I got it. Uh, The movie was produced by John Fiedler. I hope that's not Fielder. John Fiedler. He he, uh, produced 1995's Copycat. And the John Waters movies, Serial Mom, Pecker, and Cecil B. Demented.
0: Really? uh, Interesting.
1: Which all are pretty good, man. I haven't seen Pecker in a long time. I remember liking that a lot. Uh, Christopher Dalton is the associate producer on this sucker. And he also uh, worked on the 1987 Kevin Bacon movie, Whitewater Summer.
0: I've never heard of that.
1: No well it's weird because huh. he also Kevin Bacon was in the movie The River Wild yeah, a little bit later so Kevin Bacon and I Rivers that's what
0: you were going to say as a matter of fact when yeah. you said the Whitewater movie
1: sorry I wish I could have helped you there uh, no it's okay we've got an executive producer by the name of Gil Friesen who was a producer on The Breakfast Club and Better Off Dead don't yeah. need to say more than that yeah uh, and finally lastly but not leastly Executive producer Dale Pollack. How about this? Uh Who was our uh, dean for part of our stint at uh, School of the Arts in old Winston Saley. <laughs> Dale was also a producer on Set It Off, which I remember liking quite a bit. The Mighty Quinn, which I've never seen, Denzel Washington movie. Mm. And, uh, and a Midnight Clear, Keith Gordon movie that I also have not seen. I haven't seen these. Sorry, Dale i know god i so know much... dale's been waiting for this moment Listen to our podcast from the beginning and
0: <laughs> he did just retire from teaching so Oh did he he may have he time may to listen. he may time. track us down yes and this is how he's gonna spend his time well great guy very bright smart guy if you he, have a question he, he about a very... short film you look up dale pollock he's got an answer for you
1: absolutely uh music by mark isham who uh, also did uh, music for the films The Times of Harvey Milk. That's the documentary, the original doc. Uh, He did the music for Quiz Show and also did the new music for the new Bill & Ted movie.
0: Oh, how about that?
1: Yeah. Uh, Party on. Now, DP, that's that's Wayne's World. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Uh, Be excellent to each other. Um, DP is Douglas Milsom. Milsom, that's got to be Douglas Milsom. I'm going to go with Douglas Milsom on that one. Uh, Mr. Milsom uh, also shot... hmm. Well, here's something that I wasn't quite clear on. And I understand why I'm not clear. He is credited as lighting cameraman on full metal jacket. Hmm. So I'm guessing that Kubrick was kind of operating the camera and like shooting stuff. But it sounds like it was him, like him alone. So I'm just guessing that Kubrick wasn't... Uh, credited I don't know I know he likes to shoot his own stuff yeah
0: I'll look into this okay Uh, but Douglas Milsom
1: also shot the Lonesome Dub miniseries which is uh, with no slouch there there's actually a lot of good really good photography in that Uh, edited by Peter Boyle uh, I loved
0: him in uh, Young Frankenstein
1: that's right (laughs) strangely enough uh, no no relation to beloved actor Peter Boyle But uh, this Peter Boyle edited a horror movie called Inseminoid, which sounds pretty gross. Uh, Yes. But also The Razor's Edge, which is that serious Bill Murray movie that I bring up every now and again.
0: Oh, yeah. I saw that poster the other day. I need to watch that.
1: Love that poster. Um, And also edited Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the Kevin Reynolds, Kevin Costner movie. Mm -hmm. Casting is by Eileen Starger who also cast School of Rock. Amazing. Night at the Museum. Nice cast. The Paul yeah. Newman Twilight, which we uh, did on, on our very own podcast.
0: Really? Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: But also, and probably most importantly to me, she cast Night of the Creeps. Hey, there That's you right. go. That's right. Very excited about all of that. Uh, the movie is starring many actors. These are the people that Eileen Starger cast in the movie. We've got George Zunza. We've got George. I, sh- I should know how to say this guy's name. George Zunza. Is it not Zunza? Do you Zunza. Zunza. not pronounce the D? DeZunza? Zun- no, I think it's... You don't say the like D. The silent, like The DZ is, is like one... one It's one syllable. Zun, Zunza. Yeah. Zunza. That's what it's got to be. George Zunza as da- Dascal. There's actually not a stutter in the name. Dascal. Uh, you remember George, George <laughs> You remember uh, George Zunza uh, in such movies as Basic Instinct. He was uh, uh, Michael.
0: <laughs>
1: Who's the star of Basic Instinct, Sean? Uh,
0: Michael Douglas. The
1: Michael Douglas. good. You passed the test. Uh, George was uh, kind of his uh, sidekick at the beginning of that movie. And Basic Instinct, he was also in Crimson Tide. He was uh, the guy on the submarine. (laughs) Just kidding. They were all guys in submarines. And then uh, he was in The Deer Hunter. And Mm -hmm. uh, I believe he was on Law and Order for a while. Uh, So that's George. He's been around. We've got Jason Patrick as Konstantin Kovachenko. Kovachenko. Yeah, I didn't mess that up. There you go, yeah. Now, you remember Jason Patrick from such movies as Speed 2, A Boat Full of Bad Guys. Uh, he's also he's also uh, uh, in Lost Boys and Solar Babies.
0: Did you ever see Solar Babies? I don't believe I did. I think they did a uh, How Did This Get Made episode on Solar Babies, perhaps that I've listened to. But I got to I'm aware that. of it, but I don't. I, I've never seen it. I
1: 100 percent forgot that movie existed, and then I saw Solar Babies. Yeah, I got to know. Anyway, uh, we've also got Stephen Bauer. As uh, Contage. Now he was the sidekick in Scarface. In the Al Pacino Scarface. Mm -hmm. And uh, also uh, played an important part in the movie Raising Cain. We've got Stephen Baldwin as Anthony Golikov. Uh, We all know who this dude is. Usual suspects. And, uh, you know, church. I don't know. And then we've got (laughs) Don Harvey... (laughs) as Kaminsky now Don Harvey you would have seen in uh as as I actually know Don Harvey like I know his face and I was like who's Don Harvey so he played the character of Snickers in Hudson Hawk okay which I've watched probably too many times and he's also uh one of the soldiers in uh, Casualties of War one of like Sean Penn's buddies he Chiefs looks very
0: familiar to me yeah as well. i know
1: like yeah he's he's one of those guys he's been in a lot of good stuff uh we've got eric avari as samad now eric avari's got another one of those faces you've seen this guy all over the place he's in stargate he's in 1999's the mummy he's he was on seinfeld he's in cheers law and order he's all over the place hmm. uh but then, uh finally, the, I skipped uh, some people. I apologize. I didn't recognize a lot of credits. But now we've got uh Dale Dye as the helicopter crew chief in yep. this one. And Dale Dye is someone who I'm familiar with only because he's been, like, a military advisor on, like, every war movie that came out since 1995. And somehow always sort of ends up being in the movies, too. Like, he's in Platoon... Uh, He's in Casualties of War. He's in Saving Private Ryan. And I believe he's a consultant on all those things as well. Uh, So that's all of the cast and crew stuff that I have for you, Sean, on The Beast. uh, And then in parentheses, of war. Uh, But I'm interested to find out what you found out about the behind the scenes stuff that was going on.
0: Well... Uh Yeah, your Dale Die bit there at the end is going to be a nice segue to a lot of what I have. But quickly, I looked at the credits for Full Metal Jacket, and Douglas Milson is indeed the only actual cinematographer listed in any sort of credit yeah. akin to that. So uh, that is a pretty good DP to have for this movie, I would say, if you're going back into the shit, if you will. <laughs> That's right. Um, But it is a different war, obviously, here. So let's talk about this. Um, I didn't find a ton. Not a ton floating out there online about Beasts of War, sadly. But there was a gentleman by the name of Matthew Galt, who wrote an article on Medium.com, who said that the screenwriter, whose name (sighs) you destroyed, (laughs) because obviously it's William Mastro-Simone.
1: Yes, that's it. (laughs) that's what it's i was trying
0: not. to say so this article said that he was in afghanistan in 1986 as a soldier i don't know it just said he was in afghanistan He was just visiting yes yeah, so he could have been a reporter i i don't know but the quote there is he watched afghan mujahideen pull russian tankers from the t-62 and execute them
1: whoa
0: so he at least apparently saw something right but this experience influenced the play, and then, of course, the script that came from the play. And just, if anybody's unfamiliar with the Mujahideen, Islamic guerrilla fighters that, in at least this conflict between Afghanistan and Soviet Union, who invaded in 1979, uh, they also had the backing of the one and only CIA from the United States. And at least certain members of the Mujahideen then became... In some fashion the Taliban so yeah full circle right right it's good good to get involved but anyway you look on IMDB at the trivia page for this film and it just reads like military porn it's all about oh the helicopter they used in this one scene was not this thing it was this other thing you know <laughs> I don't really care about that stuff no. it doesn't mean anything to me but Uh, I did find some stuff from Dale Dye himself. He's got a website, and he's got some production diaries up there where he shared his thoughts on these movies. And yes, uh, I counted, I think, 54 films that he's been technical director on, including some stuff that's not military. I mean, he and Oliver Stone were like best buds. I knew him from Platoon. It was the first time I think that name ever really popped in my head because I remember him on the special features of the DVD. But he also was technical director on JFK and Natural Born Killers, Forrest Gump, Heaven and Earth, Wag the Dog, Starship Troopers even, uh, the Pacific Tropic Thunder, and I think most recently Greyhound, the Tom Hanks film that's going to be on Apple uh, Plus. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Last of the Mohicans, which I ironically watched last night. Anyway, we'll save that for the full episode. But uh, he said that... um, he had some experience with tanks and he really enjoyed working on this film because one of the biggest things was the challenge of making tanks look real and presenting them in a way that he felt was lacking in other films so quote i was also less than impressed by the tanks had seen i had seen in earlier films they were too clean Obviously, carefully and lovingly protected specimens from someone's collection of war relics. I was determined that our tanks would not look like museum relics. So, to achieve this, Craig, you might ask, well, what do you do?
1: He he smeared mud all over it. He did not. Oh.
0: He went to Israel, and he had the authority to negotiate the purchase of two Soviet tanks from Israeli defense forces and used his contacts to, quote, negotiate a deal for two T-55s over a couple of beers in a bar of the King David Hotel in Tel Aviv. I hadn't realized until that moment that working as a military advisor on films might employ me as an international arms dealer. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And this, this part I found actually kind of fascinating because it just reminds me of like movie magic. You know, it's like how they make special effects do what they wanted it to do before computers were doing all of that. And when I read this, I was like, you know what? I bet I've seen countless examples of this. But the biggest issue with tanks on film is that when they fire a blank, it does not trigger the recoil mechanism in the tank. So if you see actual military footage, you'll notice like a tank fires and it moves backwards some, right? right? Recoils. It doesn't do that if you just fire a blank the weight is off so he was determined along with the special effects people to figure out a way to fire a blank uh and get that recoil effect so quote we filled a projectile with a quantity of water that equaled the weight of normal he round i don't know what that is but obviously it's whatever the type of ammunition there Uh, and sealed the round with wax behind a normal primer and a small amount of powder All that came out of the muzzle was a spray of water, smoke, and steam, but the tank rocked as if it had just fired a live round. I was very proud of that innovation in the film in general. It didn't get much support in theatrical release, but I think it's a real gem. (laughs) So, look for the recoil, Craig.
1: I will definitely look for the recoil, buddy.
0: Uh, You know who else recoiled uh, over this movie? The critics. Uh, David Putnam, who was the head of Columbia at the time, and... Split... Really? or got fired or left and so this is one of these classic cases and this happens so much that if you have no sort of insight on the industry you would never have any clue whatsoever studio executive changed during i think production or at least somewhere in the lifespan prior to theatrical so Dawn still came to columbia and by that time it was kind of ready for release, but never bodes well, Craig. No. It never bodes well. So the movie, it uh, as far as I could tell, it said that it premiered in France in uh, September of 1988 and then played the Toronto International Film Festival the following week and later opened in New York City. But I don't think it got much of a theatrical release at all, apparently.
1: I certainly never heard of it.
0: No. I mean, and... Uh, it's shocking and it stinks, but that's that's what happens. Sometimes they just dump movies because it's somebody else's project and the new person doesn't care. It's not their thing. They don't want to spend one more dime on it. Yeah. Uh, this movie, along with being called The Beast and The Beast of War, and I do think my notes are going to bear out my uh, remembering right before we started that I didn't find an answer as to why those two titles have been used, but it was also called uh, Massacre on Afghanistan in Chile and simply a tank in Hungary.
1: Well, it's pretty, that is simple.
0: Pretty bland title there. Hungary, bit. come on. We do have a bunch of taglines, though. There is no room in a tank for a conscience. It's pretty good.
1: That is nice. That's nice.
0: You can escape from everything but justice. Eh, that makes me think legal thriller, and I don't think that's what this is. That's true war brings out the beast in every man little on the nose little on the nose sure. the cause freedom the enemy the world's deadliest fighting machine
1: mm, okay
0: sounds like the terminator or a little something.
1: tense yeah it seems like it's gonna be about a guy
0: yeah i don't know so what i could find the only number i found associated with this either budget or box office was that it made a hundred and sixty thousand dollars globally um Oddly, Box Office Mojo has a page for this that had that number. Mm-hmm. But you go and you look at the yearly list of films in 1998, 1988, and it's not even on there. Oh, but wow. it would have been in around the uh, 215th on the year range. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I think Dale Dye was a, even giving an uh, an understatement there about what happened theatrically with this film.
1: Oof.
0: Uh, 1988, you may recall, we talked about uh, this season, in fact, with High Spirits. Uh, Real quickly, the top ten domestic was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coming to America, Good Morning Vietnam, Big, Crocodile Dundee 2, Three Men and a Baby, Die Hard, Moonstruck, Cocktail, and Beetlejuice. Look at that. Classics.
1: Classics. Everyone. Maybe not
0: Crocodile Dundee 2, but classics. Hey, So, the reviews I found were pretty darn good. Um not a bad, uh, a bad handle of reviews here. So I got two. One from Michael Wilmington from the LA Times. Quote, This adventure film about the Afghan-Soviet war by that screenwriter, mm-hmm. based on his play th- that is called what it is called, is obvious and preachy, but it's also a murderously efficient, brutally effective piece of work, an action film that establishes its own grinding, merciless rhythm. It keeps whipping you up, driving relentlessly towards its finish like the Soviet tank. The Beast, which is its main visual symbol.
1: Mm,
0: Murderously efficient, Craig. Murderously
1: efficient.
0: (laughs) Uh, What does that mean? Uh, (laughs) I
1: guess we're about to find out.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dave Kerr, the Chicago Tribune. Quote, The Beast, and this one I liked because we're getting some context here, which I hadn't really thought about. But that year, 1988, is very important. So, The Beast Mm -hmm. is as blatantly uncommercial as a movie can be. Here, in the twilight of the Reagan era, is a film about the perils of a Soviet tank crew in Afghanistan. Glasnost or not, this isn't a concept likely to catch fire in a year when the Pledge of Allegiance was a burning campaign issue. In the last few years, Hollywood has developed its own agreed-upon interpretation of Vietnam. The war was bad, but the Americans who fought in it were victims at worst and heroes at best only by adopting the extreme rhetorical distance of the beast can Reynolds and that screenwriter guy feel safe enough to suggest that there may have been some other moral positions on the board. There are victims and heroes in the beast, but there are also weak men, brutal men, stupid men, and crazy men. Sounds like my kind of party. It's a lot of men. Right. But it is, uh, it is important. It will be interesting to see sort of, it's been a while since I've seen red Dawn. Yeah. But good God is you want to talk about uh, Cold War (laughs) action movie that is about as 80s as it gets as far as U.S. versus Soviet relations. I mean, that is that is it. Right. You can point to Red Dawn and say, well, there you go. Yeah. So it is interesting to see that the screenwriter of that here is making something that's a little more nuanced in his interpretation of where uh you know communist soviet fits soviet fits in the in the world mm-hmm. or maybe not i don't know we'll see how he treats them and the in the afghans in this but it got me interested it definitely got me interested oh yeah absolutely there's a, a film instructor that you and i both know named yanosh Kavashi mm-hmm. who says that filmmaking it's all about history and geography here we go those hmm. two things this movie
1: this is yeah everything's coming together uh,
0: You may be wondering how many awards this picked up at the Oscars this year, and the answer to that is zero, but it did win Best Film at the Cleveland International Film Festival in 1988. That's not nothing. Not nothing. Uh, I found that Kevin Reynolds was apparently an Air Force brat growing up, bounced around a bit, and yeah, wrote Red Dawn during his time at USC, but also apparently was a lawyer in Texas at some point in his life. Dang. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, he has a quote on his little bio page on IMDb about his buddy, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. This is it. Kevin Costner should only act in movies he directs. That way, he can work with his favorite actor and director.
1: Oh. Mm. <laughs> and here I thought uh, they were like buddies for how many times they got like, together. I don't
0: know if... Th- yeah, if, is this just like a gentle ribbing or, or what? Or if he means it.
1: Oh, Kevin but, Reynolds.
0: And forgive me if you mention this, uh, Kevin Reynolds did direct the Hatfield and McCoy's uh, TV series a couple years ago. And was it? Caitlin Costner was in that, right?
1: I did not say that, but yeah. I can say that I'm not sure if he was.
0: He was. Kevin Costner I and Bill agree. Paxton. Here we go. Uh, Dale Dye, last thing. It looks like he has directed a film or at least was slated to direct a film about D-Day called No Better Place to Die with Gary Sinise in it. And that has a 2018 uh, stamp on it on IMDb, but I, I, could, I can't tell if it actually got made. Hmm. So if anyone knows about this, I'm curious. I'm very curious mm-hmm. to go from technical director, and I know he's appeared on screen a bunch of times, to actual director, Indeed. Dale Die, Interesting. That's all I have, Craig. The Beast of War is readily available to be rented wherever you might digitally rent your films. And I am really very excited to see this. I don't know that I've seen any film that deals with the Afghan-Soviet conflict directly. I'm trying to even think of one that deals with it indirectly. But I've seen
1: Me too. And yeah, it seems like this would have been... A fairly mainstream movie to be dealing with it but then of course it kind of just faded in the background for whatever reason
0: well and i think you know that time period is so important too i I almost like find myself wondering if there would have been more of an audience for this film like post 9 11 you know like in those in the decade of the aughts like where there's suddenly this renewed interest in that part of the world right so we'll see. I, I'm very excited to check it out. And uh, why don't you remind us who suggested this film?
1: Yeah, I wanted to read this email that was sent to us. Now, there's not a name on the email. Uh, no, one, no one signed it. Uh, so I'm not going to go into like whose uh, name it might be. But uh, I'm going to... Well, yeah, let me read the uh, uh, email. It, it starts, no subject. So right there. Uh, hmm. that's that's an email that I, that, that I enjoy uh, no we've got um, the body of this email says please 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 check out and do an episode on a film called The Beast of War from 1988 directed by Kevin Reynolds starring George Zuttenza, uh, uh Jason Patrick and Stephen Bauer it was only released in two screens across the whole of the US by Jeez. Columbia Studios and I kid you not when I say this is the best Hollywood film you've never heard of. Quentin Tarantino's old writing partner, Roger Avery, has it down as the best movie of 1988 on Letterboxd. Mm. And he has it down as one of his 20 Desert Island films with Apocalypse Now being the only other war film. Wow. The film has a rating of 7.3 on IMDb, 3.5 on Letterboxd, but not a single critics review or overall score on Rotten Tomatoes. But it does have an audience score of 84% on that website. A couple podcasts that have reviewed it and favorably... Uh, and favorably War Horse vs. War Machine and the retro movie. I'm not going to name other podcasts. Are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) The competition? Uh, I continue to pester Criterion to do something to save this movie from continual obscurity, but I no Mm. longer get anything back from them. Oh, well. Please seek this film out. It's available on DVD, so it won't be hard to track down. And if you do, let me know if you agree with me. This might be one of the 10 best American movies of the 1980s one way or another we need to find a way to raise this movie's profile and prevent it from continual obscurity once and for all thank you uh well thank you
0: dale pollock
1: dale (laughs) pollock no thank you very much for uh writing in and suggesting the movie i mean that is a hearty endorsement like even if i didn't know anything about it
0: that's I mean, they practically did our tea up episode in one email. It could exactly. Have everybody could have saved minutes, a yeah. whole
1: lot of time. Uh, <laughs> that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm super excited to watch it.
0: Let's do it. Let's well, do it. we're going to check it out, and we'll be back next time to agree or disagree, mm-hmm. or just be strategically neutral. That's right. After we see the Beast of War. Mm, Crick. Yes. Any last words.
1: Ah uh, Um George Zanza. That's it. Perfect. All right. Bye. Bye bye.